and welcome back. It's us, Abby, Carson, the ghost hosts this week. With the holidays coming up, more and more people are traveling. But with this, people have to find a place to stay, right? And while yes, some people stay with family, some people elect to stay in hotels instead. <laughs> and as we've seen before here on the Rio, hotels have a tendency to have ghosts. And our next stop is no different. In fact, it is the long-awaited Rio episode of the infamous Stanley Hotel. Dun dun dun. Spooky. <laughs> Spooky. This I feel like this is gonna be an unhinged episode, to be completely honest. <laughs> Aren't they all? Yeah, but this is I feel like this might be more unhinged just because I'm 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 un, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired. Okay. Back to Research. <laughs> Stanley Hotel was opened in 1909. That was six years after Freeland Oscar Stanley came to Estes Park because he was suffering from consumption. Estes Park. Colorado. Okay. Just had to clarify. Yes. Good point. And consumption is just a fancy term for tuberculosis. So on all those Victorian things that you see and that goes, oh, she was a young child that looked like she was suffering from consumption. It meant that she was dying of tuberculosis. Aren't she sweet? <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Freeland Oscar Stanley actually like created and invented some steam-powered automobiles. Interesting. And I believe also something to do with the camera, if I'm remembering correctly, from when I took the tour at the Stanley Hotel. But I'm not 100% sure on that one. It's been a minute. Now, this hotel offered posh accommodations. These included, like I mentioned, cars... Stanley cars that would take people into the hotel. These posh accommodations would rival those of hotels back on the East Coast. Some of these accommodations included electric lights, telephones, bathrooms in the suites themselves, a staff of uniformed servants and cars at their disposal. Now, these telephones were in every room. Mm -hmm. This was posh. However, after many, many years of operation, the hotel had lost its shine by the 1970s. And that's when Stephen King enters the picture. <laughs> he stayed a night in the hotel that led to the famous work, The Shining, which then 
led to the hotel being brought back to its former glory and everything like that. And you can actually still go there and stay in there and everything today. Now, like we've mentioned before in this podcast with other locations, this location, the Stanley, was featured on both Ghost Hunters and Ghost Adventures. And with that note, let's reach through that veil to enter the world of the ghosts. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> the first room that we're going to stop on our ghost tour type stops is room 217. And this is the very room that inspired The Shining. The one that St Stephen King slept in. According to the story, the famous author and his wife stayed in the hotel as it was closing down for winter. So it was getting ready to close for the winter time because it wasn't open year round. It was just a summer hotel because it didn't have heating. Which, if you know Colorado, you know you need the heat in the winter. There's too much snow. Too much. And they were the only guests to stay the night that night. They ate in the empty dining room with a pre-recorded orchestra music in the background, which that creepy as all get out to me. That seems creepy. After they finished eating, they went back to their second floor room. And because they were the only people staying the night, the second floor was empty. Also creepy. The story goes that the author woke up from a nightmare where his three-year-old son was being chased down the hallways. Thus, if you guys know anything about The Shining and the plot of it, that's where some of the inspiration came from. But this isn't the only story of this room. In fact, there is a head housekeeper, a Miss Wilson, who haunts that room. So 217. She's known to move things in the room, unpack people's luggage, kind of helpful, <laughs> lights turning off and on. And if you're not married to the person you're staying in the room with, so if you're like an unmarried couple, uh, you're most likely going to feel a cold, like a cold force come between you two. She's old fashioned, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that something. Yeah. But she lived around 1911. So that makes sense. Yeah. Now on to the concert hall. The concert hall is known for three different ghosts. The most known is a ghost named Paul, who enforces an 11 p.m. curfew. <laughs> and this is evident by both guests and staff hearing someone say, get out late at night. He's like, you ain't supposed to be in here. Get out. I doubt it's that peaceful. Oh, yeah, no. It's probably not super peaceful. It's probably like this. <laughs> I was going to scream again. I was like, no, that wouldn't be very nice. That would have been funny, though. It would have been very funny. 
Another ghost in this place is Flora Stanley. So that's the wife of the guy who built it. And the concert hall had been a gift to her from her husband. And she's said to haunt the place playing the piano. Now, there's one more ghost, like I said, in this part of the hotel. Her name's Lucy. She's possibly a runaway, runaway or a homeless woman who found refuge in the carriage house, or the not the carriage house, the concert hall on the property. And she's known to communicate with ghost hunters using flickering lights. So she'll like flicker lights on and off as like a yes, no situation. Yeah. Now the first, uh, the, not the first floor, <laughs> the fourth floor is also a pretty haunted spot. Now the fourth floor used to be like an open attic area where nannies, children, staff would all stay instead of in the hotel proper where the suites were. Because back when it was originally built, kids were supposed to be outside of the hotel, not seen or heard, ah. basically. So that was their special place. And on the fourth floor, guests to this day can hear children running around, laughing and playing, while also hearing footsteps above them. Which is impossible, as the fourth floor is the last floor above there's no floor above the fourth floor. It's just the roof. And the roof is slanted in a way that you couldn't get up there and really walk around it very safely. And people have also heard furniture moving around in the fourth floor. There's two specific rooms that I, I don't know the room numbers right now, that one has a closet that will open and close on its own. And the other has a cowboy spirit that will flirt with female guests. Uh, ain't that something. Mm -hmm. Now, as we've noted already, there's different buildings in the Stanley Hotel's kind of complex area. So there's the concert hall, and then there's one called the Ice House. That's, that's where they keep the ice. Yes, it used to be. <laughs> like a fridge. <laughs> yeah, it was originally to keep ice. Now it's a museum. But in the ice house, visitors can catch on film a blurry image of a spirit that they call Billy. Apparently a very shy spirit. And there's another spirit there that is not as well known as Billy, but there's two that are supposed to haunt the ice house. Now, the hotel also has a pet cemetery on its grounds. Inspiration for the other book. <laughs> <laughs> I don't actually know if it was inspiration for pet cemetery, That'd but so that would be kind of funny. Now, associated with the pet cemetery, there's a golden retriever known as Cassie and a fluffy white cat called Comanche that have been seen and heard around the hotel. It's not just in the pet cemetery, but they know that they're associated with the pet cemetery. The cat's the name Comanche? Yes. That's a cool name. Mm -hmm. I want my name to be that. 
for my cat. Okay. Uh, it's like, what? When I reincarnate into a cat. Okay. I want my name to be Comanche because that sounds badass. I was very confused by that train of thought for a minute there. I was like, what? Now, our final stop on this ghost tour of the Stanley Hotel is the underground caves or the underground tunnels. I was about to say caves. Ooh. They're more like tunnels yeah. than they are caves, but my research called them caves. Caverns. Yeah. So originally, these were used in the early days of the hotel for staff and children to use to move around the property so that the guests don't see them or hear them, for that matter. No one can hear you scream. Okay. <laughs> um, guests can feel breezes under there and other kind of like knocking noises and things. Some people skeptically say that it's the old pipes and things like that, but who knows? Could be ghosts, could be old plumbing. <laughs> but there's also supposed to be a gray cat that has bright green glowing eyes that prowls around the tunnels. But this cat has no connection to the pet cemetery that they know of. So they don't really know where this specific cat spirit has come from. And the fact that it has glowing green eyes is a little creepy because I think we've talked about it before in DC Ghosts that there's that ghost cat that haunts one of the famous landmarks up there. But that was before my time. Yes, that was before Carson's time. Anyways, any thoughts? Beware of cats. <laughs> Beware of cats. Especially if its name's Comanche. Because <laughs> it's a badass cat. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, Beware of children, because children seem to haunt everything. Oh, for sure. Children ghosts are creepy, because especially because um, a lot of times when it says like, oh, a little kid spirit haunts this place, it's not, it does not mean that it is actually a little kid spirit. It could be a like Grown dark adult. spirit posing as, as a child, child to get close to you. That's creepy. Yeah. So... That's one of those things that whenever I see that, oh, there's like children's spirits haunting here. Are they really children's spirits? Or is... Well, I may never know. Yeah, you, never, you may never know. <laughs> but it is one thing. Any other thoughts? I haven't read or watched The Shining. Do you want so me... I have no idea what it's about. Do you want me to give you like a brief no. like... Okay. But I just know, here's Johnny. Gone up. <laughs> That's and all you know. With the axe and us peeking through and grinning real big. That's like I do on the weekends. No, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Well, I'm there's not. there's the movie, which I think you're referencing. Yes. And then there's a miniseries that Stephen King himself kind of like wrote and directed, directed and stuff. I don't know if he actually directed it or not, but he basically... Um, took over because he wanted to do it right, I guess. That's what I understand it to be from what I read. 
But yeah, he basically, so there's two, there's the movie and then there's the miniseries. And then there's the book. So there's well, two. yeah. Okay. I'm talking like adaptations, ah. but <laughs> yes, there is the book. I don't know if I could technically, like, I, I, I only remember watching part way through The Shining. It scared you too much? No, uh, I was at a, like a friend's birthday party. Oh. And I got picked up. Before the movie, before the movie ended. ended. That's interesting. Was it around Halloween? No, it was the middle of summer. Oh. <laughs> but um, that was back when I was, before I could drive myself anywhere. That oh. was like sophomore year of high school. Oof. So I, I had to go home. <laughs> Wasn't like I could stay until then drive myself home or any of that kind of stuff. Okay. So as always, stay safe, stay spooky. And keep it uncanny. Bye, y'all. See you next week.